Even after Edward Snowden, most organizations still aren't taking insider threats seriously. Most security experts agree. So how can technology help businesses do better jobs of mitigating the risks insiders pose? Chief counterintelligence expert at Carnegie Mellon University's CERT Insider Threat Center, Michael Tice, who's also a featured speaker at Information Security Media Group's upcoming fraud summits in Toronto and London, is here to discuss new innovations in fraud and threat detection that are helping companies use analytics to detect and predict insider threats. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So Michael, can you give our audience some background about why so many organizations still seem to be in the dark when it comes to understanding and appreciating the real threats that insiders pose? Well, that's an excellent question. Uh, we've been doing this research since 2001. And for about the last 10 years, we've participated in uh, doing some market surveys to ask those kinds of questions, like how many organizations have experienced an insider attack, uh, how did they respond to it, all of those kinds of things. And one of the interesting things we found is that over that 10 years, the rate is about the same. So in other words, you would think that the problem would be getting better, uh, yet the amount of insider attacks that organizations experience hasn't significantly changed over that entire 10 years. So that's a little bit disheartening, but it's sort of understandable too. In a couple of ways, organizations may not have recognized insider threat until, let's say, the last four or five years, that it's actually an issue for them. The second thing is that we're one of the few places that have done enough research, I think, that will help understand what the models are. Because although technologies are important and they're enablers, they're not actually going to just find you know, fraud, or they're not just going to find an insider threat. It takes uh, some analytics from a human perspective of understanding what is the model, who does this, how do they usually engage in it, and what their purposes are, and then you can get a lot closer and not have uh, so many incidents to evaluate that you can't find the actual malicious acts. So Michael, as I mentioned during ISMG's upcoming fraud summits in Toronto and London, you're going to address some of the challenges that you see organizations facing when it comes to detecting, predicting, and even preventing some of these insider threats. What are some of the high points that you plan to discuss during those events? Well, one of the things that I'll talk about is uh, what the information that we've garnered from those uh, surveys of what organizations right now today are saying uh, their biggest problems are. Uh, we're also going to talk about some models as to different kinds of threats, not just fraud, but understanding that uh, fraud is different than intellectual property theft, which is different than IT sabotage, which is different than unintentional type threats. And so understanding that, I think, will help organizations realize there's no one type of insider, so there's no one type of solution. You have to actually know what it is that you're trying to protect from critical assets to people to information to you know, uh, locations. And then you can understand which models would apply to you and what strategies you would need to either prevent, detect, or respond to those types of threats. Michael, during your presentations, you plan to walk through some analysis results that show just how damaging and long-term insider threats can be. Can you give us some perspective about some of the highlights that you plan to share here as far as the long-term perspective here on insider threats. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that uh, we will talk about or that I will uh, share is sort of how, uh, especially fraud, how that works over long periods of time, 
who's likely to be in, engaged, whether it's managers, non-managers, whether there's collusion involved between people from the outside and the inside, and also collusion amongst other insiders. So I think it's going to be kind of interesting, and some of it will be a little bit counterintuitive, I think, when people see some of these results. In addition to that, we'll talk about mitigation strategies. So I will provide some mitigation strategies that uh, will work for different kinds of threats, uh, but very specifically for fraud type threats, I think are going to be the most interesting since it's a fraud summit. Now, Michael, I don't want you to give anything away because we want to encourage people to actually come to the events. But when you say that some of the information you're going to share could be counterintuitive, could you explain a little bit more about what you mean? Well, for instance, you would maybe expect that people would collude a lot more often inside an organization in order to conduct fraud. But the reality turns out to be that uh, people like money, and they don't usually like sharing it. So they might collude with people outside the organization in order to enable uh, their capabilities, but they oftentimes do not like to share the, the wealth, so to speak, with other people that they work with. And could you give us some perspective, too, Michael, and you've touched on this a bit, about how many of these internal attacks are most often waged? So having exact numbers is very difficult. Many organizations do, don't want to actually talk about uh, their rates of incident. So we can do some of that collection through these uh, anonymous market surveys. Uh, we have a corpus of about 1,000 cases that we analyze. A about, I think, 25 to 30 percent of those are fraud cases. But again, that's just because those are the cases we got access to and we were allowed to analyze. We wouldn't want to say that 30 percent of all threat is fraud. It's just 30 percent of our corpus. And then just as a brief primer, could you talk a little bit about some of the recommendations that you might share with banking institutions and other organizations that attend these events to help them understand these threats and mitigate them as well? Yes, absolutely. So one of the things uh, that we'll show is uh, we have a lot of good uh, open free resources available because at, a, at our heart we are a research facility uh, that likes to transition these types of things back to the public. So we'll be, uh, I'll be showing like where people can download certain things like our best practices for mitigating insider threats, uh, which is now in version 4. Uh, a couple of foundational studies on uh, unintentional insider threat that we've done in the last couple of years. And some of the strategies, again, may sound simple, but uh, they, they just don't always work out properly. Like, for instance, separation of roles. So I think a lot of organizations do a pretty good job of saying that a person in this job uh, can maybe be a submitter, but not an approver. And a person in a different role can be an approver, but not a submitter. But what happens when that person started as a submitter and gets slowly over time promoted through the system, and now they're at the point where they're an approver, did the organization remember to take away the original permissions? And oftentimes you find that it doesn't happen. They actually overlook and forget to take away permissions when they're giving new ones. Michael, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Michael Tice of Carnegie Mellon University's CERT Insider Threat Center. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.